Aren't you glad to be in his presence tonight? I'm so thankful that when we come together, the Bible says where we two or three gather in his name, he said, I'm going to be right there with you. And so when we gather together, he comes and he's here tonight. And so you don't need to leave the same way you walked in. Why don't you grab a hold of him tonight? The woman said, if I can just touch the hem of his garment. Oh, if I can just touch him tonight. If I can just be open to him. If I can just, like Paul said, when I've done all to do, I'm just going to stand here in his presence. Oh, I feel him tonight. He's here. He's come for us tonight. Amen. Amen. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Amen. Were you ready for the word of God tonight? Well, I've asked Brother Gabe to, to preach tonight. Would you give him a hand as he comes tonight? Praise the Lord. I wonder if you could just turn to a few people and say, you are so lucky to be in the house of God tonight. And then tell him, you are so lucky to get to hear Gabe tonight. <laughs> you can be seated. I'm not going to open with a scripture. <clears throat> I first want to thank Dad. I want to thank you for um, letting me speak up here. I don't know about you, but I'm grateful for a pastor and pastor's wife that pours into people and loves people. And I, I want to I thank them because to give your life to Jesus and to give your life, we don't know what the things that um, the investment they put in in each and every single one of our lives. And uh, I'm thankful for that. But I'm gonna read. I'm gonna. I'm gonna open up with First John or John chapter twenty-one, verse fifteen, and you can turn there with me if you'd like. Sometime after Jesus' resurrection, he came to the disciples on the shore where they were fishing, and reading in John twenty-one, verse fifteen, when they had finished breakfast, Jesus said to Simon Peter, "Simon, son of John, do you love me more than these?" And I want to preach to you for a minute, do you love me? Nobody likes being misunderstood. In fact, it is oftentimes very painful to be misunderstood, misjudged, and especially if you are hated for it. It hurts to be blamed and hated most of all when your motive is love. Love in its purest form, a love that goes so deep. And I was praying up here at the church one day. And how many has prayed for the Lord to defend you? I show of hands. How many has ever prayed that, for the Lord to defend you? Well, I was praying, and I was hurting to be transparent with you. And I was praying, God. Why wouldn't, won't you just defend me, Lord, and speak for me? 
And the Lord ever so silently spoke back to me, completely confronted my heart and asked me a question and said, will you not defend me? And when he did, it came to me, it hit me, and I realized God feels this. God feels this pain all the time. How many people live their lives blaming God? Dying without ever thanking him or realizing what he has done for them. How much love he has for them. How many people has blamed them and, and questioned him and asked him, why, God, where are you? Why would you allow death? Why would you allow people to starve? Why would you allow, uh, uh, why would you allow me to go through this? Why, God, why? He's constantly being blamed, misunderstood, misjudged. It hurts God to be blamed. It hurts God to be misunderstood. It hurts God when people die and never realize and never have understood the, the measure of God's love and what he did for him, him on the cross. This is God. God has been misjudged, falsely accused ever since the beginning of creation. There was Adam and Eve standing at the tree before the serpent. Genesis 3, verse 1 through 5. He said to the woman, did God actually say you shall not eat of the tree in the garden? And the woman said to the serpent, we may eat of the, tree, the fruit of the tree in the garden. But, but God said you shall not eat of the fruit in the midst of the garden. Neither shall you touch it lest you die. But the serpent said to the woman, you will not surely die. For God knows when you eat of it. Your eyes will be opened and you will be like God, knowing good from evil. And she believed him because she ate of it. We know God as a spirit, John 4, 24, meaning he's divine, not limited by the physical or our reality. He's life-giving and incomprehensible. But the question is, does God hurt? You see, to understand the measure of God's love and the power of his forgiveness, you must first understand the hurt he feels from betrayal and sin. You can't, under, you can't comprehend how much God loves you and I unless you first can comprehend that he hurts like you and I. Men's wickedness grieves God in his heart. Genesis 6, 5, 6, the Lord saw that the wickedness of man was great in the earth and that every intention of the thoughts of his heart was only on evil continually. And the Lord regretted that he had made man on earth and it grieved him in his heart. It grieved God, the wickedness that was in man's heart. After all, we were made in God's image. God has emotions. He feels too. He gets angry just like us. He walked in the garden and said, what have you done? As he said, now you shall walk and, and, and land shall be cursed. But God's anger is out of a place of deep love for you and I. Where real love is, it causes pain when you lose something you love. 
And he has lost so many. He has felt the pain of every lost soul. There's no body that knows the pain of abandonment, rejection, false accusations like he does. But he loved us so much, he couldn't leave us trapped in his sin, in our, in our sin. The Bible tells us in 1 John, verse 1, that the word was God. And that the word became flesh and dwelt among us. Jesus is God dwelling among us in the flesh. He came into his own, his own creation, his own people. He couldn't wipe us out. He couldn't leave us. His love was so great, he came off of his heavenly throne and robed himself in flesh. What a God we serve. What a God we serve that he would Bring himself to our level. Matthew 1, verse 20. And she will bring forth a son. This is Gabriel's, uh, this is uh, talking about Mary. And she will bring forth a son, and you shall call his name Jesus, for he will save his people from, his, from their sins. Here is Jesus, a man with flesh, who's come to save us from our sins, just like you and me, a man that feels like you and I, a man that hurts like you and I. Here he is walking into the temple to heal the man with the withered hand, and he looked around at them with anger, grieved at the hardness of their heart as he stretched forth and healed the man. Jesus, everywhere he went, grieved by the sins of mankind, by the hardness of our hearts. He came performing miracles, healing the sick, giving hope to those without it, teaching peace and love. God in the flesh who has come to deliver this world from its sin and death. But how was he welcomed? Here's Jesus standing before the high priest as they gathered to put him to death. They lied on him. They bore false witness against him. They ripped his garments. They covered his face. They spit on him. They mockingly said, prophesy, as they beat him. Here is your king. Here is your God. I give you Jesus. A man standing in Pilate's hall as they screamed, crucify him, crucify him. Without a cause, they chanted, crucify him. All he ever did was love, yet we hated. Our hands stained with his blood, our tongue a weapon of destruction, our hearts hardened by sin and selfishness. But his love endured. And Pilate asked him, Mark 15, verse 2 through 5, and Pilate asked him, are you the king of the Jews? And he answered him, you have said so. And the chief priests accused him of many things. And Pilate asked him again, have you no answer to make? See how they charge, they bring all these charges against you. 
But Jesus made no farther answer. I want you to notice that Jesus made no farther answer. Where were you when he needed you most? Who does he have to speak for him? You see, at least me and you have Jesus in our hard trouble. At least me and you have a God we can cry out to in our despair. At least me and you can depend on the Lord to speak for us. Who does God have to speak for him? And who did he have to speak for him then in Pilate's Hall? Because it certainly wasn't the Jews. It certainly wasn't the people he came for. There was nobody encouraging him. The only encouragement he got was crucify him, crucify him. Yet his love endured and not a word, not a breath did he use to defend himself. But with every ounce of strength he had, he loved. He loved unconditionally. You and I, he loved. And when they clothed him with purple clothes and they twisted him to get, they, and twisted together a crown of thorns, they put it on him. They began to salute him. Hail the king of the Jews. And they were striking his head with a reed and spitting on him and kneeling down in homage to him. And when they had mocked him, they stripped him his purple clothes. This is your king. This is the God that you and I worship. With bloody hands, he grabbed the cross with tears in his back and with little strength he carried the cross with you and me in mind no other motive no other reason no one made him no one encouraged him no one understood what was actually taking place before them here was God himself with all power and might being nailed naked to a cross in shame the men laughed disgustingly as Jesus suffered in great agony he was all alone Not one that day whispered in his ear, thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus, for what you're doing for me. Not one said, just keep on going. You're almost there, Lord. No, in fact, everywhere he looked were reasons for him to quit. The ugly nature of mankind mocking and laughing at him. And those who passed by him ridiculed him, waging their hands and saying, Aha, you who would destroy the temple and rebuild it in three days, save yourself and come down from the cross. So also the chief priests and the scribes mocking him to one another saying, He saved others, but he can't save himself. Let the Christ, King of Israel, come down now from the cross that we may see and believe. Those who were crucified with him also reviled him. Everywhere he looked. Everywhere he looked gave gave him every reason in the world to quit. To snap his fingers and bring an army of angels to deliver him up to heaven. To abandon us in our sin, leaving us with nothing but death. But he endured. 
I was reading a study by Dr. C. Truman Davis, um, just to give you some context to the reference I'm using. That She's a graduate of the University of Tennessee of College of Medicine and dev- has devoted her life to um, basically scientific practices in medicine. She did a study on the crucifixion and the death of the crucifixion. And I'm going to read you a piece of that conclusion in the study. The legs of the thieves were broken, but when the soldiers approached Jesus, they saw that this was unnecessary. Apparently, to make doubly, doubly sure of death, the legionnaire drove his lance between the ribs, upward through the percardium and into the heart. And John 19.34 states, and immediately there came out blood and water. Thus, there was an escape of watery fluid from the sac surrounding the heart and the blood of the interior of the heart. This rather conclusive post-mortem evident this is rather conclusive post-mortem evidence that Jesus died not the usual crucifixion death by suffocation but of heart failure due to shock and construction of the heart by fluid in the pericardium. In other words, Jesus died of a broken heart. What killed him? Was it the beating? Wasn't the beating in Pilate's hall? It wasn't the nails in his hands. It wasn't the agony of the feeling of suffocation as he stretched his legs up for every breath. But it was the emotional agony he felt from betrayal of his own children. He was despised and rejected by men, a man of sorrows and, at, and acquainted with grief. And as one from whom men hide their faces, he was despised. And we esteemed him not. Surely he has borne our griefs and carried our sorrows, yet he esteemed him stricken, smitten by God and afflicted. But he was pierced for our transgressions. He was crushed for our iniquities. Upon him was the chastisement that brought us peace, and with his wounds we are healed. Who was there to defend him then? And where are you to defend him now? When the world hates him, questions him, mocks him with their sin... Atheists preach against his existence. Backsliders blame him for the problems and pain. Satan screams out lies against his character. Governments and world leaders try to silence him. Where are you to defend him? He's asking in agony for someone to defend his name, his character, his love. He's asking for somebody to say and to tell somebody else what he did on Calvary was for you and me. He came not to condemn this world, but he came for the sinner that we might repent. He came for you and I that we could be forgiven. I want to tell somebody about the name of Jesus. I don't know about you, but this name did more for me than anybody else's ever. 
This name has watched me. This name has been there for me in my darkest days. This name is my counselor. This name, Jesus. He counseled me when nobody else was there to counsel me. When I isolated myself, when I was in pain, when I was in guilt and shame, the Lord washed me. The Lord picked me up. And that name is Jesus. God robed in flesh. I want to tell somebody what he did for me. I'll defend you, Jesus. It broke my heart that day when he popped that question in my mind because it hit me. I had just a revelation of just just immediately popping in my spirit. And I realized this is what God feels all the time. How many times have I questioned God? How many times have I been mad at him thinking he has something against me? Thinking that he brings pain upon me. Oh, he's come not to condemn this world but to love He has come to offer you something that is priceless. But he paid a great deal for it. He paid a great price for it. But here is the table of feast for you and I. And he says, come and eat. All who want to partake of me, come and eat. Come and sit at the table where there's no price. Come and turn in your scarlet stained torn clothes. And in return, give you a robe of righteousness. His name is Jesus. Peter, do you love me? Peter, do you love me? And feed my sheep. Peter, do you love me? And feed my sheep. Chris, do you love me? Then feed my sheep. Sonda, do you love me? Then feed my sheep. Adrian, do you love me? Then feed my sheep. Abby, do you love me? This is what God's saying tonight. Do you love me, Jonathan? Then feed my sheep. Tell somebody what I did for them. There's a world out there living in pain and brokenness. There is a world of broken people out there. Go and tell somebody that there is hope and peace. Go and share with somebody what you have. Don't take for granted the message of the cross just because you've heard it preached a hundred times. Don't take for granted what God did for you just because you've read about it a thousand times. We've got to tell somebody. We've got to tell somebody. We've got to get it out what we've got. We've got to show somebody that there's a better way. If you ever, with tears streaming down your cheeks, pleaded with God in great agony to defend me, God, defend my heart, defend my character, will you now answer him? When he cries with pain, defend me, defend me, defend me before my children. He didn't come to condemn you, but he came with love. Uh, You cannot comprehend. He came for the sinners that we might be saved. 
Oh, what patience, what mercy, what love. I cannot understand that he could be nailed to the cross with a beaten face and blood streaming down. And the, and the, and, and the people walking past him say, get down off the cross if you are the king. You saved others, but you can't save yourself. Oh, the great love he had to stay on that cross. Shut What a God I serve. I give him my life. I give him my life. He is my everything. He's more than a figure to me. He's my friend. He's there for me every day. He's I wish you knew. I wish you knew the name and what he could do for you. If you don't know the name and you're in this house, you are in a great place. Because the name is more precious than anything this world has to offer. The name is more beautiful than anything this world could give you. He is my peace and my joy. He is my morning delight. He is my hope and my counselor. I trust in him. There's not a day... I've had to live without the Lord. And on days I looked around and could not find him. It's only a matter of time when I looked back and realized he was there all along. We have been forgiven. Our sins nailed on the cross, dead. Jesus resurrected but every sin under the blood died that day. Sometimes the sin likes to resurrect too. And she just got to put it back under the blood. Your sins were forgiven. Your tongue was washed. It no longer has to be a weapon of violence, but an instrument of praise. Your blood-stained hands were washed of the sin that stained them. No longer having to be used, uh, used to stone your victims, your brothers, your sons. But now can be a symbol of praise through worship to the God who washed them clean. Your feet that were chained with the addiction that you couldn't escape. Condemning you to a life of shame and self-condemnation. Those heavy chains you no longer have to bear because he bore them for you when he wore them in Pilate's Hall. Naked and shamed with our sin as we screamed, crucify him. Your memories of horror and guilt, the ones you've told no one about, the ones that leave you with guilt and condemnation every time they creep back up in your mind. No longer do you have to carry that weight or those memories your broken heart that is heavy from the sin you partook in to fulfill that void that seems to never be able to become full. The selfish cravings of your flesh that would, you would do anything at anyone's expense to just feel full again. It no longer has to be empty. Your heart can be full by the love of God because Jesus paid for you and I. The wages of you and I's sin is death. Sin robs us of the life God first gave us. The life he created and gave you. The life we gave away. 
And the life he bought back with his own life and gave it to us again. But now the only way back to receiving that life is through the name of Jesus. The name that bought your sin. You can still be stuck in a life bound by sin, but why? When Jesus paid such a price and gave it for free. You see, Jesus is the only way out of a sin-stained life. He can change a life. He can heal any emotional damage. He can heal you physically. He can heal you mentally. He, will re he can restore your family. Jesus only came for one thing, and that is to heal. You live a life with Jesus... Everything just starts healing around you. John 14, I'm coming to a close. John 14, verse 6. Jesus answered, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. John 14, 25. These things I have spoken to you. This is after he was resurrected. While I am still with you, but the Helper, the Holy Spirit, whom the Father will send in my name, he will teach you all things and bring to your remembrance all that I have said to you. And I want to fast forward to the book of Acts. And the disciples were in the other room in Jerusalem waiting on this commandment that Jesus spoke. And this is obviously the verses we're all familiar with. And when the day of Pentecost arrived, they were all together in one place. And suddenly there came from heaven a sound like a rushing mighty wind, and it filled the entire house where they were sitting. And divided tongues as a fire appeared to them and rested on each one of them, and they were all filled with the Holy Spirit. And began to speak in other tongues as the Spirit gave the utterance. In Acts 2.38, And Peter said unto them, Repent and be baptized, every one of you, in the name of Jesus Christ, for the forgiveness of your sins. And you will receive the gift of the Holy Ghost, for the promises unto you, and for your children, and for all who are afar off. Everyone whom the Lord our God calls to himself. I don't know about you, but I am thankful for the name. I want to share this name with everybody I meet. I have an obligation to share this message with everybody I meet. I want to spread the name of Jesus and what he's done for me. I don't think we comprehend or understand what happens or what takes place when we kneel on our face and say, God, forgive me, and he forgives us, and we get up with peace and joy. I don't think we understand the great miracle that takes place there. You understand the price that was paid for that? You understand what the Lord did for that? It's more than a story. You know, he really endured it. You know, he really went through all that for you and I. And we can read about it, but let me tell you, it's the one thing to read about it. It's a whole other thing to walk through it and feel it, to feel every emotion, to feel all the 
ounces of pain he had to feel, the rejection, the abandonment, the hurt, on top of all the physical pain he endured, the emotional pain was that much more that he would die of a broken heart. Let me tell you, friend, we have got an obligation to share this message. We've got to get radical. We've got to get on fire. I've got to tell somebody about this God I serve, the God that has freed me from my sins, the God that has washed me. I'm tired of lackadaisically walking through this life like, like there's not a heaven or hell, like, there, like there's not anything coming after. I'm tired of lackadaisically just walking through this life carelessly, walking past people who are on their way to hell and not saying anything. They're living in a life of pain and misery, going through family problems, going through hurts and trauma, bound by addiction and shame and guilt and misery. And we've got the answer to all that. Because Jesus paid the price for it. He already paid the price. All we got to do is tell them. All we got to do is tell somebody. I'm ready to tell somebody about Jesus. Why don't you stand to your feet and you musicians can come, but why don't you grab somebody, put your, lay your hand on somebody and pray like you're praying for yourself. We've got to get a burden for souls. We've got to get a burden for people. Jesus, I pray right now, Lord. sheep oh God we will feed your sheep oh God let us walk in your heartbeat let us walk in the type of love you walked in God to endure what you did may we just love tell somebody about you God hallelujah If you have never been filled with the Holy Ghost, I wonder if you'd be bold enough to come up to the front. If you want to be filled with the name of Jesus, I wonder if somebody would just be bold enough to come up to the front.
I wonder how many people here are committed to reaching for a lost soul this year. Saying, I'm not going to let another year slip by with just a woulda, shoulda, coulda. I'm going to go out and I'm going to give someone Jesus because it's going to help a life that's broken and hurting and in pain. If you would make that commitment that you're going to you're going to find a soul this year. Would you come up here? Would you surround this altar? Would you stand up here as a commitment unto the Lord saying, God, I'm going to do everything I know to do to reach for a soul this year. Because what you gave me is too precious. I've got to give it to somebody else. I've got to share it with somebody else. I can't go to heaven alone. I want to reach out and I want to grab a lost soul and I want to go, I want them to come with me. Oh, make that commitment to the Lord tonight. He's challenging us tonight. Oh, we want to get real tonight, God. Help us to be a catalyst in this, this hour of darkness. Help us, I pray, God, to share the light. The Bible says we are the light and we are the salt. And let us stand up here tonight making a commitment that we're going to be the salt and the light. We're going to reach for the lost. We're going to reach for the hurting. We're going to reach for the broken. And we're going to share the gospel of salvation to them, oh God. Hallelujah. Go ahead. Go ahead and make that commitment to the Lord tonight. Go ahead. I stand here, God. I'm a vessel that you can use. I'm going to, I'm going to open my mouth and I'm going to have boldness and speak. Go ahead. Setting us free, made his life everlasting to all who receive it. Your love, it's renewing, restoring, saving, and healing, delivering captives. Sin-stained life, your blood is healing to the hopeless and broken. Your blood is enough. Jesus, it's enough. Your blood is a shelter. In the middle of my storm, your blood is my refuge. When I'm hurting and alone, your blood is enough. Jesus, it's enough. It's renewing, restoring, saving and healing. Delivering captives, setting us free. It is life everlasting to all who receive it. Your blood. 
and healing, delivering captives, setting us free. It is life everlasting to all who receive it, your blood. It's more than enough. It's more than Still you give yourself away Oh, 